You're listening to the Long's Chapel Weekly Message Podcast, available Sundays at 5 o'clock p.m. If you would like to connect to Long's Chapel or keep up with all events happening at Long's Chapel Church, connect with us via Instagram, Facebook, or on our church website, longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ, because all people matter to God. This week's message comes from our lead pastor, Reverend Chris Westmoreland. Maybe invite you just to close your eyes if you so choose. If you want to leave them open, that's okay too. Just invite you just to, to kind of rest in this moment. And the, the, um, one of the words that grabbed me out of that song was that word of the great surrender. Um, oh God, we, we just come. We come and, and we lay ourselves before you where in every other aspect of, of life, surrender, I don't know, it feels like a, feels like a given up. It feels like a, a really tough thing to, to be able to, to take in, and yet in this moment, oh God, we get to claim uh, the great surrender as uh, the moment of greatest victory. Uh, and so we just rest in that because all of us bring our stuff. Oh God, we all bring the stuff that's happening in our life and in this world that feels broken and feels something different from the way that you long for it to be. And we, uh, we just pray, oh God, uh, the gift of surrender over all of those things that we might be able to surrender them unto you. That we may be able to, to lay our will, oh God, at your feet and to let your will reign in our lives, in the life of this church, and in the life of our community, and in our world. And so, God, we just come and we pray. We're grateful for each and every person that is present in this room or joining on the stream. We're grateful, oh God, for opportunities to be able to be kind of grounded and centered by the power of your spirit. For as all of us, oh God, come, we need healing. And as as we come, we need forgiveness. And as we come, we need strength and renewal and encouragement day by day by day. And we're grateful, oh God, that that's exactly, exactly what you provide. And so um, as we pray in this moment, oh God, we, uh, we center ourselves, we affirm the gift of what it means to, to be able to live out those words that we begin this service with, to be able to affirm, oh God, um, who you are so that we can affirm who we are in and through you. And so, oh God, in um, the myriad of things that, that Jesus taught us, not just by the words that he said, but by the way that he has embodied the gift of your spirit, we're grateful, O oh God, for these words that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. As we forgive those who trespass against us, lead us not into temptation. forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Oh my gracious. I am um, grateful to be here um, every Sunday. Can I say, I'm especially grateful to see you today for like a thousand different reasons. Um, one is that, I've, and I'll mention it uh, in the sermon, um, kind of towards the end of the sermon actually, but um, had an opportunity this past week to spend some time in prayer actually at a Roman Catholic monastery. It's a really, really interesting experience, but a, a lot of it was in and around silence. And for those of you that know me, I don't do silence very well. 
Uh, some of you had some odds-on betting that I was going to be excommunicated on day one. That did not happen, so I'm very grateful for that, <laughs> um, but also grateful for a remarkable week of um, just abiding in the Holy Spirit and appreciate um, just the congregation and uh, this incredible staff and uh, incredible leaders that afforded me that time and that space to, to be able to be away and so grateful and excited about not only who Long's Chapel is today, but the future um, that we share in together. Can we celebrate that? Because that's worth celebrating. Yeah. Woo! Man. That is worth celebrating. Goodness gracious. So it's never been so cool to be able to talk with you, even though I'm kind of like in recovery of, of trying to actually like, you know, find my word count for the day. Um, Tammy Wright, come and do some announcements and everybody give Tammy a little love. Will you do that? Yeah, she's... Um, Normally she's up here singing at the service, but uh, today she's speaking, and she's speaking with some announcements and some, just organize us, Tammy, kind of gather us, organize us. Well, hopefully everyone grabbed a bulletin this morning. There is so much valuable information in the bulletin. One of the things that I've always been uncomfortable with with the bulletin is when the pastor says, be sure and fill out a connect card, Mm -hmm. and you sit there and you quietly try to figure it out. Okay, so let's everybody grab your Connect card and just rip it out. <laughs> it will not bother me. Be sure to fill out that you're here today. We would love to know that you're here today. Mm-hmm. Fill out any prayer requests that you have. There are a lot of different bullets that you can check to let us know what you need. Are you mm-hmm. looking for a Sunday school class? Things like that. Yes. If you'd like to join the church, which we have a few members coming today. Um, just really exciting stuff is in here. Make sure to know one thing that's going to be bulletin is the Operation Christmas Child Packing Party is mm-hmm. this Wednesday mm-hmm. at 4.30. Please come and enjoy and pray over these boxes that we're going to be sending out yonder to all of these amazing kids. They know that they will appreciate it, but they will also love your help as a volunteer to help them out. So 4.30 on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Also check out the Christmas Angels Registration was a huge success, as it says in the bulletin. Um, on every Sunday, and also this Tuesday, they're going to be accepting sponsorships for these amazing kids. So if you have any interest in sponsoring Christmas Angels or would like to have more information about it, Wanda Austin's going to be in the, what is it called? Uh, gathering space? I always want to call it the foyer, and it's not it. No, it's so cool. It's all good. It's an amazing program. Mm -hmm. Tech Tuesday is this Tuesday. If you have any technical questions, there are people here for you. There is a registration for that, if you don't mind, just so that we make sure we have enough helpers here. The um, Long's Chapel leadership team is inviting you to a dinner conference. That also has a registration so that we have enough food for everyone. Festival of Tables is coming up for the women to women. And um, the Christmas Jubilee this year, everybody keeps saying, what's a Jubilee? Every year we've had a live nativity, and this year we're switching it up just a little bit, and we're going to have a Christmas Jubilee, which, as you see in the bulletin, will have a 5 o'clock, 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock gathering. It's going to be like a Bethlehem village with music, food, animals, children activities, and also a marketplace. So you guys don't want to miss that. It's December 15th. Someone that you do not know, have not ever met, and introduce yourself. 
Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I, we, do we have some folks, I think, that are going to join the church, that want to join the church in this moment? If you are one of those folks that want to come forward, you're welcome to do that in this time. Um, by the way, there's, we set aside a special Sunday for that to happen, but it doesn't have to happen just in one time. You guys can stay where you are or you can come forward however you guys are most comfortable. Um, I love, hey, that's totally good. And we got, some, we got some over here. Let me just let you guys introduce yourself to the church family and uh, then I promise we'll make this as painless as we can. You guys are looking at me like, why are you making us stand up? It's okay. It's all good. I'm Denise Higgins. I'm Donald Wilkinson. I'm Denise's mother. Wonderful. Give, give them some love. Will you do that? Yeah. Candy, right over here. Love it. Love it. Love it. Thank you guys so much. My wife just gave me permission to introduce both of us. I love it. I love it. I love it. That's teamwork. I'm Williams, this is my wife, Jane. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. We're welcome. We're so grateful for you guys. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, one of the things that we, I had an opportunity to kind of reflect on in prayer as I had a lot of like reflective time last week, though, is um, th- this notion of um, uh, joining a church is kind of interesting because there are a lot of organizations that we join. Church is kind of unique um, in kind of what we do. And I like to think about the word belonging versus joining. Not that there's anything wrong with joining, but think about belonging. Think about what it means to belong. Uh, that's my prayer for you guys today, that you have an opportunity to, um, as you've already kind of been engaged in the life of Long's Chapel, that you have an opportunity to really um, realize and live into this as family. So what a gift. So for you, for you four, can I just invite you just officially, like, would you like to join the life of Long's Chapel and allow the work that we do through the life of Long's Chapel, the reaching and the growing and the serving, to allow you to um, engage in your walk with Christ? And if so, you'll say, we, we do. Excellent. And Long's Chapel family, will you love on these guys and care for these guys? And will you shine a light in the midst of their darkness, wherever that may appear? And will you just love them and hug them into the very presence of Jesus? Will you do that? And if so, you'll say we will. Thank you very much. And I know that you'll do that because you do that for me. So thank you. Can we welcome these guys once again? Can we do that? Man, thank you. Absolutely. Um, man, good stuff. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, guys, hope you'll take an opportunity, as Tammy mentioned, to find somebody after the service that you don't know. And or if you could um, find somebody that um, even one of the new members, just an opportunity to be able to celebrate the gift of, of what it means to be able to be connected to one another uh, and to be family. And again, that connect card, if you'd like to join the church um, or have conversation about what that even means, um, we'd certainly love to put, have you put that on the connect card and we'll uh, love to get some time with you. Uh, we have an opportunity to uh, uh, continue on with a sermon series that we began several weeks ago as we kind of are reflecting on a bit of the week cloud. And what that really means is that we're spending a good bit of time in the 11th and 12th chapters of the book of Hebrews, which is, I don't think I've ever done a sermon series on the book of Hebrews. That's part of why I wanted us to be able to do this. I wanted to like stretch myself. And also I feel like um, that the words that, um, that Hebrews is offering us kind of week by week as we've made our journey through these two chapters um, have been really remarkably instructive for the time and the season that we find ourselves in, not just as individuals, but also as a church. It's actually been um, kind of remarkable. And uh, sometimes we have to dig a little deeper in some of the books of the Bible and some of the, the imagery and language. Some of that may not be familiar. 
familiar uh, to us. And so we actually have to sometimes dig a little deeper. And that's where I'm hoping uh, some of the sermons um, on Sundays have been hopefully effective in helping us to be able to see um, these inspirational words in a bit of a different way where they actually really can and do long to make impact in our life. Um, Before I read the scripture for today, can I share with you that I I know I sent out, I think we sent out a a, um, Facebook post this week, just some reflections that I had from the monastery just because I wanted to share that with you, my church family. Um, And that I'm sure will go out in email as well if it hasn't already. Uh, So all of you will be able to kind of catch on to that. If you don't know how to get an email, remember that Tech Tuesday is coming up. We can help you with that. Uh, also, uh, but a lot of folks have been asking, like, what was it like? What was it like? What was it like? Uh, I just want to give you two examples of what it was not like. It's hard for me to describe what it is like. I will try to do that, not today, but other days. Um, but, but here's what it was not like. But this is really cool, but this is not what it was like. So take a look. Salt team. <laughs> it was actually a lot of silence. It actually was a lot like that. Just for the record, no part of the week was like that. Can I just, can I just, just in case you were wondering. Uh, just one more movie clip, though. This is a, an, old, an old school movie of Robin Hood. I call it old school. It's the Kevin Costner version. It's got a monk present, though. Take a look. And my men are thirsty. That's right. Robin Hood! Yeah. Lord bless me! I mistook you for common thieves. Oh, kindly let, let me pass, eh? Surely the Lord has the charity to spare a few barrels for good Christian men. Yes? We have much to celebrate. <laughs> well, if you wish that a share of the good Lord's brew, I It was just not like that either. It was just not. I actually I never saw a keg anywhere uh, the whole time. It was just not like that at all. Um, but but again, what it what it was is uh, just like some beautiful time of reflection and an opportunity to um, I don't know just kind of like tune out the noise uh, that all of us kind of have creeping in in our life in different ways um, and a good opportunity to reset. Uh, let me uh, invite us into the the scripture reading today. Again, this is um, Hebrews. It's chapter twelve, beginning in uh, verse uh, fourteen, and I want to just read the whole passage, uh, and then I want to have an opportunity for us to reflect on it a little bit together. It says, um, pursue peace with with all men uh, and women, and, and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Watching diligently so that no one falls short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up to cause trouble uh, and many become defiled by it. Lest there be like sexual immorality or profane person like as Esau, who for one morsel of food sold his birthright. For you know that afterwards when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place for repentance." 
though he sought it diligently with his tears. For you've not come to a mountain that can be touched and that can be burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and storm and to the sound of a trumpet and to the voice speaking words such that those who hear them begged that the words not be spoken to them anymore. For they could not endure that which was commanded. If so much as a beast touches the mountain, it must be stoned or thrust uh, through with a spear. So terrible was that, that sight to Moses that Moses said, I'm terrified and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, like the heavenly Jerusalem and to an immeasurable company of angels, to the general assembly and to the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous ones that made perfect, that are made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, uh, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better than that of Abel. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. If, you, if you're hearing all that for the first time and you didn't understand any of it, hang on and bear with me because there's actually some incredible stuff that I think God has kind of spoken into my life and my heart this week through this passage. And I'm praying that um, God will speak that into your heart as well or whatever version of that it is that you need to hear. Um, can I kind of begin with these words, which is, uh, have, you ever, have you ever in your life stopped just shy of the promise? Okay. Just think about that for a minute, if you will. Have you ever, like, have you ever gone the distance, but for one reason or another, you stopped just short of the promise? Have you ever, you ever been in that place? I want you to think about it for a minute. As you, as you do that, I'm thinking about this, this, guy that, this guy that I knew once. I was pretty good friends with him at the time, and he was a buddy of mine. And he went through pre, a pre-med program, so he went through like pre-med school, and he went through four years of, of medical school, um, or actually three of the four years of medical school, almost finished. And then in his last year of medical school, he decided that he just wasn't meant to be a doctor. And so eight years and $150,000 of school debt later, right, he just stopped shy. Now, like, don't get me wrong, like, at whatever point you discern that a pivot is needed and kind of the direction that you're going down isn't the direction that you need to go down, like, we need to be able to affirm that. But, but can I just appreciate this particular example where there's just been so much invested and it feels like in that moment that you're stopping just shy, just shy of the promise, so the, the letter to the Hebrews, right, it's written to a, a Jewish audience. And it's written to a Jew, Jewish audience making a claim. And the claim is that Jesus is a long-awaited Messiah. Therefore, therefore, to follow Jesus is not some unnatural betrayal of the Jewish faith, but rather it is actually a very natural and very essential fulfillment of that original promise uh, that God made in God's presence to the people of Israel. And so in other words, to, to follow the law, the Jewish code, to adopt a way of life that honors God's covenant with Israel, but to not honor and trust Jesus the author of Hebrews is like acknowledging that to not trust Jesus to save on top of that remarkable foundation, it's like honoring the form of the law. It's like honoring the form of the law, but rejecting its very spirit. In other words, it's something that's hollow and it's something that actually doesn't actually have the power to save. Like in other words, like go in the distance, but stopping just shy of the promise and why in the world, the author of Hebrews would say, why in the world would anybody want to do that? 
Have you ever thought about it that way? I'm, I'm making up this example, but think about it with me. Um, if you're like, you know, if you're helping Noah build the ark, right? And you've helped Noah build the ark, not, not only, you know, not only years, but decades you've spent helping to build the ark and you see the ark completed and then you, and then you wait six days for the rain and then you get tired and frustrated and you begin to walk away because you're like, I don't know why I spent all these decades helping build this thing. It's not rained in forever and it's not ever going to rain and you, you walk away and then the rain starts on the seventh day. You stop just shy of the promise. It's like almost the disciples. Can you use that image? Like where they left everything to follow Jesus. They left everything and everyone. They upended their lives. They were incredibly inconvenienced because they were giving themselves over to something so much bigger than them that actually, you know, has the power to save. Like the acknowledgement of the way that they were able to follow Jesus and embody Jesus' teachings and Jesus having all this patience with them, even in moments when they're very much like us and they just kind of don't get it. And then the night before he dies... They all either fall asleep on him, deny him, or betray him, stopping just shy of the promise. Stopping like just shy of, of what promise, you might ask? Well, I, I want you to actually hold on to that question because I think like that is like the point of the sermon and I, I want you to be able to, to grab hold of, of that in your spirit here in just a moment. Like this section of Hebrews, it has a very specific point and it has some very pointed examples to back up the point that it's trying to make. But the point that it's trying to make is actually rather straightforward and simple. That the grace of Jesus Christ is the spiritual and healing antidote to every spiritual obstacle or illness or ailment that you will ever face. I want to read that again because that is the point of not just this passage but the whole entire letter to the Hebrews. That the grace of Jesus is the spiritual and healing antidote to every spiritual obstacle or illness that any one of us may ever face. The advice here is clear and, and let's see what kind of argument is actually being made here. So I want to try to take um, this, these words from Hebrews. I want to try to put them in language that, that we can kind of, like I want to bridge the gap a little bit and help us to understand kind of what's being said here. So let's like unpack these verses. So, so pursue peace with all people. That part, at least on the surface, sounds pretty easy. Sounds pretty good, right? It's at least easy to comprehend. Anybody done that this week? Have you pursued peace with all people? I have some work to do on that. I bet you do as well. But let's appreciate that advice for what it is, right? That pursue peace with all people. Well, why in the world would we want to do that? Well, for a whole lot of reasons we would want to do that. But it's not just about saying that we want to follow God, but actually like having the courage to trust when we follow close enough to God that God's holiness kind of rubs off on us, that, that God's holiness kind of rubs off on us because like people can't necessarily see God or won't necessarily see God unless potentially they see God in us. But more often when we resist peace for, for grudges, it, the author of Hebrews here says, if we let bitterness take root, it, it can ruin everything. And then, like, we've not only poisoned ourselves, and we've not only poisoned our individual, like, lives and, and the relationships that we have and those kind of things, but then we've tainted the water supply for everyone who comes to drink thinking that they're drinking living water, and they're actually drinking something of poison. That's the image that's kind of being used here about the, the bitter root, letting bitterness take root. 
And, and so the author of Hebrews says, well, like if you don't believe me, just like look at your own Bible. Like the one that you carry, the stories that you know by heart, Jewish friends, like it's all right there in black and white. And then he begins to name a few of them as he's done pretty consistently, uh, you know, throughout, uh, throughout this particular letter. He's using like Jewish examples of Jewish heroes and heroines and, and all those that are like not heroes and heroines, using real live examples of, of stories that, that every Jewish person will be able to claim truth in. And so he says, take Esau, for example, firstborn twin, barely, and his father, Isaac's favorite, but Isaac was sentimental about this particular eldest son. And like this son was pretty reckless beyond belief. He had his father's birthright. He had his father's blessing. He was set up for life. What that meant is he had a double portion of the inheritance when his father died and he had control over all of his affairs while he lived. And he held all of that in such little regard that he sold one for a bowl of stew and he allowed himself to be tricked out of the other. I mean, even though later he wanted to reclaim them, this is what the author is saying, right? Even though later he wanted to reclaim them, he placed his hunger pangs above this lifelong calling to use another image. Let's say that he traded the most amazing, most extravagant, most incredible feast that you could ever imagine tomorrow. So think about that with me for just a minute. Like I know we have Thanksgiving coming up, but um, if there was um, the most amazing feast that you'd ever been to in your life and it was happening tomorrow, and it was happening tomorrow, can you just holler out one thing that you would wanna make sure was on that table, like your favorite food of all time? So I'll let you think about it for a second. And then uh, three, two, one, what is that? I love that. I'm thinking turkey and cranberry sauce only because of the season, but you know, it is, it is what it is. So once you think about that, so that's the feast that's coming tomorrow, that and everything else that's all your favorites, right? And, but somehow you, like you ate this morning, but you went out in the field to work, because that's the situation with Esau, and, and well, you're kind of hungry. And so you come back in, you're like, I can't wait for tomorrow, man, I need something today. And you, you trade all of that feast tomorrow for like a cup of canned soup today. Can you think about that trade-off with me for a minute? And not just how you're feeling when you do that, but how you're feeling after you've, after you've eaten the can of soup and you know what would have been tomorrow but now won't be. Do, do you see what I mean by she stopped short of the promise and it changed everything that would come after for him? Do you remember the Jacob and Esau story? It's in Genesis. Uh, you know, father favored Esau, mother saw Jacob as the one that should carry forward the promise. And evidently, mother knows best in this case. <laughs> you know, in what on the surface in this situation seems pretty deceptive, a little deeper. It feels like that a mother is doing anything that she can by all means necessary um, to be able to put. Um, what she believes is the right son in the place of best fulfillment for God's promise for Israel. Whether you agree with her or not on that, that seems to be kind of the way the story lays out. And after all, like one that would sell his inheritance for a snack probably isn't ready to carry on the weight of not just the immediate family, but also the promise for the future of, of the nation. So like what Esau said he wanted, it wasn't what his life illustrated that he wanted. Like what he said that he wanted, what his blessing and birthright that had been entrusted to him, like what that meant that he was ready for, 
His life isn't proving that he's ready for in any meaningful way. And so the stakes are just too high for the future of God's family kind of to be trusted so casually. And if that story doesn't work for you, this again, this is the author of Hebrews, right? This is the, this is the person writing the letter to, to Jewish friends saying, hey, by the way, th- this is why you need Jesus too. Uses the il- illustration of Moses. Again, Hebrews He says, you've not come to a mountain that can be touched and that burned with fire and to blackness and darkness and storm and to the sound of the trumpet and to the voice of speaking words such that those who heard them begged for the words not to be spoken to them anymore for they could not endure that which was commanded. Like if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it'll be stoned or thrust through with a spear. Like so terrible is the sight of that that Moses says, I'm terrified and I'm trembling. Like, what in the world does that mean? Like, put another way. It's almost like the author is emphasizing this pretty stark contrast between old covenant, which is kind of characterized by fear, a strict system of laws and, and do's and don'ts, kind of contrasting, contrasting that with what this particular author who was Jewish and now is following Jesus on top of being Jewish has appreciated about the new covenant The new covenant in Jesus, which is characterized by experiences like grace and forgiveness and an intimate relationship with God that isn't based on fear, but it's based on trust. Like, so important that we could appreciate that. Did you you hear that? Like, brilliant literary device here. Author of Hebrews is taking us to two different mountains. Did you you hear that in there? First of all, uh, evoking uh, Mount Sinai. That's the the site of the giving of the commandments. That's where, like, fear and awe and even danger evoked with with, um, even approaching God's, God's presence. And this new covenant, like allowing believers to come before God with confidence where grace and forgiveness abound. That'll be represented in in, um, in, in Mount Mount Zion, like another mountain that kind of we're invited to climb in this and and which mountain and where does both kind of work and do you get that? Like, Like the law, this Mount Sinai image, the law is given to fuel God's relationship with us and instead somehow, like the author here is making the case that, well, it's become a bit of an obstacle to the very relationship that God's been trying and longing to cultivate with us. That's why Jesus is necessary. That's why Jesus is important. That's why important, it's important that you trust and believe uh, in Jesus. Like when he's citing all of those who fell just shy of the promise. Like that's the promise. The promise is that it isn't about obligation or obedience. Those things are um, down the road engaged in a relationship. It's actually about the relationship. It's about God desiring a relationship with you. It's all about that. It's all about that. Like the commandments are meaningless, the author of Hebrews is saying. Commandments are meaningless if they're not fueling a relationship between you and God. If they've just become an obstacle, if they've just become something that separates people between those who are doing them and those who are not doing them, then they're not actually living into the spirit of how God has been trying to order our life in such a way that a relationship with God can be fueled and can thrive one commentator says it this way. says, the law can, can never be the goal of the Christian life. Like it was designed to, to bring humanity to Christ for salvation. And when it had fulfilled that function, its work was done. Like to return to it now, the author implies, is to return to condemnation and destruction and not salvation. 
Like, can you hear the promise in that? Not that. Here's what I don't want you to hear because it's not right and it's not what's being said. It's not that the law of Moses is irrelevant to the followers of Jesus. It's not that it doesn't work. It's not that it isn't kind of still uh, very much a part of that relationship. But it's no longer the standard of salvation. It's no longer that. Because with Jesus, everything has changed because, well, he is way truth in life. Like in other words, like it's almost like and this just occurred to me this morning, it, it's almost like there's a third mountain in between these two mountains that, that this author names. He's talking about the difference between Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. We'll get to Mount Zion in just a moment. He's talking about that, but it's almost like there's this third mountain and that's Mount Calvary. Like that's the place where it's a culmination of Jesus's life and ministry. It's the place where he dies and it's the place where he's released to begin to be placed in a tomb where resurrection will happen. And where every good thing and every hopeful thing about the life that we have kind of began and restarted in, in, that, in that place. I hope and pray that you can like hear that promise. And if that promise is true, why in the world we ever want to stop just short of the promise? Because it's like on the other side of the promise where the best stuff awaits now, like with that, in, in Jesus, the accent is on which mountain to climb. And, and, well, in Jesus, which mountain to climb actually changes. Like Jesus faced the fire and the terror of Mount Sinai, the law, so that we could climb Mount Zion, Hebrews says. But, but you've come to Mount Zion, verse 22, and to the city of the living God and to heavenly Jerusalem. We just sung about that. And an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly of the church of the firstborn who enrolled uh, into heaven to God, to the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous ones made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks better than that of Abel. In other words, that's the most amazing offering that you could ever possibly imagine. Imagine the most amazing offering to God is to be in right relationship and unified with God's people who are in full, intimate, beautiful relationship with God. Did you hear like that amazing uh, reflection, that appreciation of what it means to kind of be in that uh, you know, kind of perfect state? Can we kind of say that? Because that's kind of the way that the author of Hebrews talks about it. I mean, somehow, uh, like underneath all of this, friends... Underneath all of this is this deep desire that God has to be in relationship with us and this deep desire that we have inside of us to be in relationship with God and to also be on mission for and with God in a way that, that unites us and pulls us together with others that are following in the way of Jesus and climbing that Mount Zion hill as well. It, it, it's... Uh, on the one hand, like Jewish folk might have heard this, and they would say, well, you're just, you're just trying to cop out of the law. You're just trying to cop out of the holiness that you're called to do. And, and the author of Hebrews is saying, actually, no, this is not, like Jesus is not talking about the lowest common denominator in faith. Jesus is actually talking about the whole point of what the law was meant to do to begin with. Like this whole entire thing, this whole entire thing is about cultivating a space where God can be God for us and we can actually be the children that God has created and is redeeming us to be. Can, can I invite you to ask this really important question? I try to ask it for you every week. 
But the question is, so what? So what? So all this is like, all this is true. What in the world does this mean? And I really wanna, um, I'm hoping you'll let me speak into your heart um, in this moment, because I hope that that is actually the Holy Spirit speaking into your heart. Like, what does this mean? And I'm, again, pulling all of this from um, kind of the spirit, especially the last half of this particular part of the letter um, to the Hebrews that we're dealing with, um, because what it's really talking about is discouragement. It's really talking about discouragement, discouragement of, of um, kind of using the law as the bar of salvation and falling short of that and falling just shy of the promise and discouragement. I want you to think about that for just a minute. Will you think about what that word means for you? Discouragement's probably robbed more people of their faith and their courage, consequently their Christian victory. Like it's sheared more people of their strength. It's kind of clouded folks' future, probably more than any other spiritual ailment that we encounter, discouragement. Should think about that with me for a minute. That, that living defeated, how difficult it is to live defeated and how much more tragic is it to live defeated when the victory has already been secured. Like living hopelessly when, when hope was purchased for you at a premium. Like living only the obligation of life rather than living the gift and the joy of the love that comes with that life as God offers it to us. Living, living fear which replaces intimacy and closeness. One can't live in fear and live within love all at the same time. It's almost like fear expels love. And sometimes, friends, we live more in fear then we live in love. And, and like, if you want to strip someone of their worth, then, then take their joy for living, make them live in constant discouragement, cut them off from God, from the very source of life, and they'll, they'll become careless with life. They'll become careless with life because people don't care for things that they don't think are valuable or they don't think are true. By the way, like that space in our life, it has to be filled. And like that's part of the warning here. Enter bitterness, enter bickerings, jealousies, factions, strife. Like all of that stuff that leads to, by the way, less intimacy with God and more discouragement. Enter a vicious cycle over and over and over again. And we were defeated here, but now we're really feeling defeated. Now we're really feeling defeated. And this Mount Calvary victory is still the most predominant story in our whole entire life. And we feel further away from it than we've ever been because we're caught in this self-fulfilling prophecy. And then we end up blaming God for not feeling and not being able to live the way that we're called to live. Do you see that, like the difficulty of this and the importance of, what, of what's being addressed here? And so, like in following Jesus, which mountain, friends, which mountain are you climbing? Which mountain are you climbing? And, and I, I wanna remind you of something. Any good news that leaves you in bondage is not Jesus' good news. I'll say it again because it's really important. Any good news that presents itself as good news, but it somehow leaves you in kind of a slavery bondage situation, like any of that, it isn't Jesus' good news. Can I um, end with a story from this week? Uh, I think it was a first day. And what's really interesting about uh, going on a silent retreat is if you haven't read the information on the front end, there's no orientation where somebody's telling you things. 
So can I use that as an illustration? So, so the first night we go to dinner and like, number one, I'm not realizing that, um, oh, these folks are vegetarian. Oh, that's great, but I like meat. But okay, like we'll not, we'll not do meat. Um, and that was cool. And again, beautiful stuff. A simpler, a simpler approach to life and, and beautiful all in the same time. But the challenge is like, there's no talking. Even during dinner, there's no talking. And so it's my first night there. And I'm, you know, I've read a few things, but I haven't done a ton of research. I kind of wanted to experience it um, kind of afresh. And so um, what happened is uh, after dinner, I end up, before that evening worship service, I end up following someone who I see kind of going out this way. And it almost looks like they've been there before. It's about sunset time. I think maybe they're chasing a sunset. This is kind of near Charleston, uh, actually a really pretty place. And so I'm thinking, well, hey, I'll just kind of follow them. We obviously haven't talked, but I'll just kind of follow him. And that's what I followed them to, a beautiful spot where like there's this beautiful, that's actually the person that I followed too, beautiful sun, sunset kind of going down and just kind of this beautiful moment and it was holy and it was prayerful and it was cool and um, it was, it reminded me of that movie City of Angels. I don't know if you guys remember that where all the angels come out for sunrises and sunsets. It's this kind of spiritual silent moment. It's kind of what it was like. It was weird not to be able to turn to that person and say, this is awesome. You, you can't do that. You can't do that. But so, but the point of the story is so that, so that happened the first night. And then the other nights that I'm there, I kind of get wrapped up and kind of get wrapped up in, um, you know, some other stuff. And I don't really go to that particular spot. I think we may have one more picture of that, of that sunset. Um, and then the last night that I'm there, I decided, you know what, there's this place that I have not been to yet. Hold, hold right there, if you will. Uh, there's this place that I have not been to yet. And it's actually on the other side of this 150, you know, acre campus. And so I'm actually going to kind of head out. I think I skipped dinner that night. Um, and I'm going to kind of head out and I'm going to kind of make my way, wander my way, uh, kind of like around the marsh to kind of get to this place where I'm thinking that it might be actually really pretty. Like what I saw the first night was pretty, but, but I feel like there's more. I, I feel like there's more. Nobody's told me that there's more, but I feel like there's more. And so I end up like following kind of, I end up making my own trail, end up making my way through a, um, a, green, a green field. I don't know if we have that picture salt team, but there's a bit of a green field. And like, I almost get to this place that I think I'm kind of after there's the green field and I kind of meander through there. And, and then like right around that corner, I'm kind of really close to like some marshy water. And then I see this sign that says, hey, by the way, alligators are super frequent here. So you might want to watch out. <laughs> And I'm like, oh, that's great. See, that's something helpful that could have been said in the beginning. Like, but, but we, you know, there was no talking. So, but that, again, that, that was, you know, it's helpful stuff, helpful stuff. But then I continue around and uh, like, there's some big steps that I got to kind of go up. There's another field that I kind of got to go through. So again, the last night that I'm there and um, yeah, and next picture's good. Um, and then that's what it opens up into is this um, beautiful space where there's this bench and there's this amazing sunset, but it, that space has actually been cleared out. And like that space has actually been cleared out and it's beautiful and it's amazing. And, and that, that happened like 12 hours before I left the place because nobody's talking to each other. So nobody had told me about that amazing place. Uh, nobody had told me about it. I, I want you to think about like that cool first sunset that I saw that I actually thought was absolutely amazing. And then I got here and I dropped to my knees. And, and I almost missed it because I almost, I almost stopped shy of the promise that I, that I didn't even realize existed 
um, which was kind of that amazing and beautiful place where like I fell to my knees and just like lost time in that place because it's just, um, that's on the Cooper River and, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful spot. And it was just a, an illustration for me that, by the way, the first place wasn't super hard to get to. It was actually pretty easy. Um, the second place was actually a lot harder to get to, even navigating around the alligators and such. Um, and, you know, going up some steps and actually having to walk a bit and, like, sweat a little and all that good stuff. There's a little bit of sweat equity involved in that. But when I got there, the promise of what I thought I saw was surpassed in a thousand different ways. Um, and I was really glad that I didn't stop just shy of the promise. I was really glad that I was able to not only see the promise, but to even live beyond it. I want to invite you, friends, maybe you, just, maybe you want to close your eyes in this moment. I just want to invite you to, to think about this promise that we've been talking about, this, this relationship with God, this whole reason why God's wrapped up in flesh and since Jesus. This whole entire reason why the law is the foundation for the faith that we're, that we're meant to have. It's also the way that we're called to show our obedience and our response and our, and our trust um, in God's love. And so, super important part of our faith. And yet, it's not the thing that leads us to faith. Like Jesus leads us to faith. And, and so, God, we come. Um, we come acknowledging that this is a promise that we don't want to miss. This is a promise that we want to be able to see to and through. This promise, oh God, of this relationship with you that actually has intimacy and it has forgiveness and it has compassion and mercy and strength and it has healing. Like this, oh God, we don't want to miss because we long for your spirit to pour every bit of that into our, our heart and soul. And so, God, as, as we come, we know that that doesn't always, like, happen in a moment. Sometimes, oh, God, it's, it's days and it's nights and it's weeks and it's months and it's years and sometimes decades of abiding in your love to be able to see that promise to and through. But we're grateful, oh, God, um, and, and a bit awed at your continued, persistent, stop-at-nothing interest in loving on us. And for the way, oh God, that you cover us in love, especially when our life doesn't look like that love yet, is, um, it, it's a miracle and it's a gift. And so, oh God, we give you thanks and praise for that. Pray, oh God, that you would help us this day, that you would help us in the days of this week to be just even a little bit more prepared and worthy of receiving that gift that you offer to us, which is indeed costly to you and priceless to us. So in the strong and precious name of Christ, we pray and all God's people said, amen. Thanks for joining the Long's Chapel Message Podcast. If you connected in any way with us via this podcast, we invite you to connect further by either leaving a rating and review down below or contacting us via our church website at longschapel.com. Here at Long's Chapel, we believe in worshiping and serving God by reaching people and growing together as passionate followers of Jesus Christ because all people matter to God. See you next week.